Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome, everybody, to episode nine of This Girl Puts Out. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And today I have a wonderful guest to share with you. Uh, Her name is Shiki Sharp, and she has an amazing story. Um, Shiki is a business owner. She's a CPA. She also specializes in fraud and forensics. She is a CFE, Certified Fraud Examiner. Uh, She has a Master of Science in her field, and she is the CEO of Shiki Sharp consulting, but we are not really here to talk about money. We're going to plug her business for sure. We are really here to talk about Shiki's story because she is truly inspiring. And the minute I heard about her from my friend, Doug, I said, I have to meet this girl (laughs) and she's amazing. But, um, like most amazing people I meet that, that, um, are, they usually are not, um, they're not keen on talking about themselves and, and, you know, plugging themselves. So my job today is to, to get uh, Shiki Sharp in front of all of you because um, her story is inspiring. And I, I really think she has a lot to share with us as women and business owners and uh, just being a woman in, in the world today. So welcome, Shiki Sharp. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, for you to accept me and accept this invitation with just meeting me over Zoom is incredible and I really appreciate it. Um, so we're going to start with, tell us a little bit about, about you. Tell us, uh, tell us about Shiki Sharp. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, Shiki Sharp is, first I just want to say I'm super, super shy, and speaking is awkward to me, especially <laughs> like as, on an interview. Um, I'm originally from Jamaica, and I currently live in Niagara Falls, New York. I'm the owner of Shiki Sharp Consulting, and I am married with two children, age 10 and 2. Beautiful. And so you're working full-time in your business, which is full-time plus, I'm sure. And um, so tell us where you grew up. Uh, You said you're originally from Jamaica. So tell us about uh, growing up there and your community uh, that you grew up with and the people that that live there. Okay. So I'm from Jamaica and most of the times people are like, why would you move from Jamaica to here? I'm not from Montego Bay or Kingston, where is the, the, um, the tourist area. I'm from a very rural community in Jamaica called Berry Hill. Um, it's in St. Catherine. It's really um, an undeveloped area. So literally I grew up with my dad being a farmer um, all the men in the communities uh, in the community are farmers. The women are people who would take the products and take it to the market to sell. Um, it's a very small community, maybe less than a thousand. So we all know each other. We probably all really related. Um, 
it was it was really nice growing up there at the time looking back now i'm like holy crap i was really poor like, like it was really <laughs> a poor community but growing up there it was it was fun we would go to the river to take um bath we would go in our backyards or our neighbor's yard to get fruits mangoes watermelon stuff like that and it was and it was fun it was fun growing up but now looking back I'm like it wasn't the best of life but I didn't know any better at that time I didn't know there was other things out there I thought and this is life and it was fun you know as as a child sure sure you didn't uh you had no idea what was going on in the rest of the world so you didn't know you were poor yeah right (laughs) So how did you end up here in the United States? So I came to the United States um, as a student. Um, I started community college in Jamaica and there was a school here from New Rochelle in New York. They would come to Jamaica and they would recruit students to come here to study based on their um, GPA. So um, my GPA was pretty high. So they offered me a partial scholarship to come to the US. And I told my mom, and I think her response was, and I'm gonna say this in Jamaican, me no money. Like literally saying she doesn't have any money for me to go overseas to study. Um, at that time, I was like, okay, but I still wanna go. I, I remember she borrowed money from someone to pay my plane fare. I did all the process I had to do in Jamaica. She borrowed money to pay my plane fare. And then a friend gave me $200 US and I packed up and I came to the U.S. to study. And it was like a week later that school was going to start. For the semester, I think my tuition would be like $10,000 because it's a private school. And um, I came a week before school start. And I'm like, okay, I need to get this tuition. Um, I'm here. I need to start school. So I started asking friends and family if they would co-sign for a student loan for me. I didn't know how it works here. I didn't know it based on credit. I didn't know people are not like likely to do like co-sign for loans for people <laughs> i thought hey can you do it i'm good for it i'll pay it back kind of and i found someone who did it for me for the first semester so i started and you know take it from there wow so you were really driven i mean you knew that the situation was not fully set up it's and not it wasn't <laughs> you came here knowing that you were gonna struggle but you yeah. you got on that plane anyway yes yeah, so there was there was something driving you. Mm-hmm. You wanted to do, you really wanted to to do this. You really yeah. wanted your education. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of knowing that it's a ticket out of poverty because as I grew up, like I said, when I was younger, it was fun and all of that. But as I started growing up, and then I went to community college and I started meeting other people because I was going to school in my area and I, it's only the same students around me. So as I started growing up and going to high school and going to college. I realized, you know, there's more. And um, so that was like my ticket to get mm-hmm. out of there and to help my family. Yeah. So was it hard to leave? Um, did you, you know, did it you think hard. you would go back? It was hard. Um, it was hard to leave, especially leaving my mom, because at the time it was just me and her. And I was the one that would do most of anything that, I was like the one that would do all paperwork and anything that is important. I would be the one that she said, Hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. Mm-hmm. Even though I was 17 or 18 at the time, 
but I was the one that would do all of that. So it was a little bit um, sad to leave my mom because I'm like, holy crap, I'm leaving her by herself. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, this is the way out in order to get even like get my mom a better life. So it was a bittersweet moment. Mm -hmm. And I know it was something I knew was something that I had to do. Yeah. So, and she was supportive. She wanted, she wanted yeah. more for you. So yeah. she was, she was behind you. She's probably saying, I'll be okay. Just yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so paying for school was a struggle. You said you had to find co-signers for loans and you went like from semester to semester, not yeah. knowing how you were going to pay for it. I was taking it one semester at a time, one semester wow. at a time. I would not worry about next semester. I just need to pay for this semester. That's how I was looking at it so much stress for a young person but again there was this force behind you just pushing you you mm -hmm. know um that that desire for a better life right yeah um so what were some of the other challenges that that you faced while you were a student going to school besides the financial uh fears and challenges were there other other issues there weren't um I had to start I had to start working on campus. Um, I was on a student visa and at that time. You could work on campus. So I was working on campus to help um, you know, financially. And it was hard um working full time and going to school full time. And I was taking on a lot of coursework because I wanted to get done faster. So I would do like 21 credits. So it was hard um to maintain my GPA, which was 4.0, and I wanted to maintain that 4.0 GPA, so I was doing that while, you know, working. So it, it, was, it was a lot, but again, I had to do it, so yeah. I did it. Wow, such motivation. Um, so you finished school. I mean, while you were in school, did you, were you already thinking about being a business owner at that point, or no? You were just trying to get through school and then thinking you would go get a job? I was trying to finish school, <clears throat> um, trying to get a job, because the way the student visa work is that you could go to school. When you're done with your bachelor's, you get a year to work in the US. After that one year, then you have to either go back home or start another program. So I was like, okay, I need to go to school. I need to spend as much time as I can in the US mm -hmm. to pay back my student loan, to help my mom. So I wasn't thinking about being a business owner at that time, I know that I want to be a business owner at some point. Um, I started my first business when I was like eight. So I would, <laughs> my mom would give me lunch money to go to school because in Jamaica, you have to buy your own lunch. She would give me lunch money to go to school and I would save half of it and then go to like a little supermarket and I would buy like three snacks or three candy and then I'll take it back to my house and I'll put up a little thing like a shop and then I'll sell those back up with like a, with a markup. So if I purchase three for $10, I'll sell one for $5 and then I'll get $15 for the three. So I make like $5. So wow. I was doing that at eight and I did that wow. like three, four years. <laughs> so I know that I'm, I have that entrepreneurial spirit within me. And yeah. I know that's what I wanted to do in the long run, but I wasn't focused on that because yeah. being from Jamaica and being a student, it was, it would be hard to even like get a business started. I have to work. That was the stipulation of the visa. So I had to mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. um, so at that time I was just thinking about finishing school, getting a job. Yeah. yeah. So you got a job, you started working. 
and uh, you worked for how long before you became uh, a business owner? So I worked, um, I started working in 2011 and I started my business like three years ago, part-time, and then mm -hmm. I went full-time this year. Okay. So you worked for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So gaining experience and finally getting comfortable in your field. Right. And so then uh, at one point, it sounds like you were still working, but had already started your business. So you yeah. were doing both for a while, mm -hmm. which often happens with female entrepreneurs. They're, they're doing two things at once. So they have that security, you know? Right. So, and you're doing all that while you're having children and <laughs> juggling all that stuff too. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, that must have been a difficult time, you know, you must have been very busy. You know, you have this dream and you're starting to invest time and money into your business, but still, but still work full time. It's very challenging. Um, and uh, I think that's a reason why a lot of women don't go into business because they can't leave that other job to, to make that jump. They don't have that financial cushion, you know, so right. um, it's difficult. So, well, so now uh, Shiki Sharp Consulting is your full-time gig and your business yeah. is going well. Tell us about your business. What services do you offer there? And uh, yeah, tell us more about it. So Shiki Shop Consulting, we offer bookkeeping and tax services to small businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, I do provide forensic accounting services as well and <clears throat> business consulting. So like if someone want to um, start a business, I would kind of talk them through the process and I help them decide which business structure is best for them tax-wise, not on mm -hmm. a legal um, side of it, but tax-wise, what, what's the best business structure for them. And so forensics is a specialty. So did you, you had to do extra schooling for that? No, I did my master's degree in forensic accounting. Okay. And then I did the CFE credentials. Okay. So what is forensic accounting? Because I don't know, I'll be honest with you. I know it's, uh, it, 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 it's used in special situations. It's like a specialty, a niche. So, so what is it? Um, it's really where it's like an investigative um, part of accounting. So if someone wants to know where their money is, um, then they will hire a forensic accountant to dig deeper and find, you know, where are they spending their money? It could be, it, it doesn't always mean fraud, mm -hmm. but it just could be, um, just knowing where things are, um, most time people would use it for fraud. So if they think yeah. and um, someone is committing fraud in their business, they'll, they'll call a forensic accountant to um, research that. So it's like an investigative yes. thing. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, I usually hear about it in line with or in combination with fraud. So yeah. I knew they and were connected. Also, yeah, also with um, divorce too. Um, a lot of times people are going through divorce and mm -hmm. they want to know Whereas they are the spouse money or how much money they are the spouse have, or are they hiding money? Are they hiding assets? So uh, they'll call a forensic accountant as well. I see. I see. Um, so, and we'll go ahead and we'll share your business information at the end. If anybody's interested in talking to you, if we have any uh, female entrepreneurs listening who might uh, like your, to uh, seek out your services. Um, 
that's probably, I don't know, I'm guessing that's probably the part you like the best is helping women start businesses. Yes, that's actually my favorite part. I told my husband I want to niche down to just having women as my clients. And yeah. like, you just started. You can't really like go that, like you can't niche down that far as yet. But I think that would be my ultimate goal is yeah. to work with women entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. Um, so, so clearly you are always entrepreneurial. Um, and you know, you have to be some kind of a, have some leadership, uh, spirit and qualities in you to run a business at eight years old <laughs> and, and to get on a plane and, and leave home. So, um, I guess, do you recognize now that you were always a leader? Do you feel like you've always been a leader? No, I know. Um, back then I think my my cousins because like I said I grew up in a community where it's all relative so I have like a lot of cousins my father's side is one of the biggest in the community and my mom's side is one of the biggest in the community so I have like the most family in that community (laughs) and um I would spend time at both sides yeah and they used to call me bossy that I'm bossy (laughs) but I didn't realize that I was just a leader (laughs) So in the summertime, when we're off school, we don't have summer camp to go to. We don't have games. We don't have TVs. We didn't even have TVs, to be honest, um, to watch or anything. So we would, I always pretend to be a teacher. I'd be like, let's have summer school. And I will um, be the teacher. And this would be, I'll be teaching my cousins that are even older than I am. And I would get everyone to sit down and listen to what I have to say. And <laughs> they would think I was bossy, but looking back now, I realized I was just a little yeah. leader. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. So what else about yourself have you learned and, and what has surprised you about yourself? What has surprised me is the risk that I'm willing to take. I did not know I have that in me. And like I said, as I was going through and I'm doing things, I thought, okay, I just have to do it. I didn't know I was taking risk. I didn't know it was a risk to get on a plane with only 200 US dollars. Like, you know, I didn't know um, a lot of the things that I was doing that they were risk. I just thought, okay, it's things that I need to do. Um, one of the things that surprised me the most is probably something like this, having a conversation with you or an interview with you. I never thought in the wildest dream that I would do that because one, I'm so self-conscious of my accent. And two, I'm more of a technical person. So I'll be behind my computer. I'm a numbers person and I'll do my thing behind the computer. I don't want to talk to people. Even now I'm struggling with marketing because I'm like, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want people to see my face. No, I'm not going to get in camera. I don't want, I don't want people to see me kind of. So that has surprised me that I'm willing to put myself out there to have to help, help my, both myself and my business grow. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Well, um, thank you again for doing this. I know it was outside <laughs> of your comfort zone. So, so thank you. Um, so does your community back home, um, they, they know about your life now. They consider you a success story. Um, are, and are you still a part of your community at home? Yes. Um, they definitely think I'm a success story. Um, a part of my community at home I started Future Bright Foundation. It's a foundation that helps the children in the community that I'm from. And I go back there every summer and I will host like a, um, a little event where I'll provide 
school supplies, backpacks for the student, um, for the children there and have like try to give them a proper meal. So um, going back there, they do think I'm a success story and I try to talk, I, I would have like a little speech that I'll give to them and I'm like, listen, I'm from here and I'm not living in America kind of thing. You can do it too. So that's kind of, um, not that they have to come to America, but I said, you know, there's, there's a way that you can get out of, out of here. For me, that was education. So that is why I invest in their education by giving them the school supplies, giving them the backpacks. Um, I do give one student per year a scholarship to high school because in Jamaica, you have to pay for high school there. So each time, um, each year when the students are leaving that school in the community that I'm from, I would choose the student with the highest um, grade because you have to take an exam to go to the high school. Mm -hmm. So I would choose the student with the highest grade and I'll give them a scholarship for their first year um, school fee, this first year tuition for high school. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so in case the listeners are wondering, yes, she started a foundation. <laughs> she started a business. She came here with $200. So just another really amazing part about you, Shiki. So what um, did you always think you would, you would do the foundation? Was that always floating in the back of your mind once you finished no, college? I, no, it wasn't something I was thinking about until after I was done with school and I started going back there um started going back there like every year because i i never used to go back home every year when i was here because i was so focused on school and working and everything mm -hmm. and um in 2013 or 14 i think 2014 I, I went back and i went back to my community and i saw like children are running around barefooted and i was like holy crap i remember when i used to do that i didn't know they're still doing that like it's 2014 and um that's when i was like you know what i probably need to do something for these children because all all we need is just someone to help us. And I remember, you know, when I was young and if someone had given me a new backpack, because not every year I would be, not every year I would get a new backpack or get a new pair of shoes to go back to school. I remember if it's raining, we would take off our shoes because we didn't want it to get wet and dirty. So we would, we would rather walk barefooted than to get our shoes wet and dirty. And I see the children like running around barefooted and I'm like, holy crap, like this is still happening. I need to do yeah. something about it, even if it's not a lot, because I know I wasn't in the position at that time to even, you know, give more than one person. But I was like, if I can help, help one person, that's good enough for me. And that's when I said to my husband, I probably should start a foundation at that time. I was taking the, I was studying for the CPA exam. I was working two jobs and um, I was about to finish up my master's. So I had a lot on my plate and my husband was like, you probably should wait. You know, you have a lot going on. He's, he's more of the calm to me. Like he, he'll stop me for a second and be like, wait, you're doing too much. Just focus on this, focus on that. Because I'm always, go I'm always going and I'm always going. And so he said, you probably should wait. So I waited, that was 2000, 2014, I waited, and then I started it in 2015. Wow, um, if our listeners want to help uh, with Future Bright Foundation, um, can, we can include some information on that at the end and I can post it uh, on the webpage and on the podcast page. So you may have some, some people who wanna make a donation to your community for the kids to get a better education. And it's just amazing that you even found time to do that too. Um, really, I have, 
your drive is just incredible and it's very, very inspiring, Shiki. Um, so you're in the U.S. now and at some point you became naturalized, right? So you're a U.S. citizen now and yeah. you also built a family here. Yes, I did. Um, so after school, like I said, I worked, I enrolled in different programs to give myself more time. Then um, I found love and I got married. Um, I have two children. And so at that time you're allowed to apply for a green card. So you'd apply for a green card based on marriage. Um, that's how I did it. You, I applied for a green card based on marriage. I got my green card. Um, after five years, after having your green card for five years, then you're allowed to apply for citizenship. Mm -hmm. So I applied for citizenship in 2018. Mm -hmm. So I became a U.S. citizen in March of 2018. It's still one of my proudest moments in the U.S. Yeah. Like, oh, US oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to ask you, what did that feel like? But you just explained it. You were extremely proud. And did you feel like you were at all um, dishonoring your country? Or did you feel sad in any way about your community at home? No, I didn't. My son, my son said to me, mom, why are you giving up being a Jamaican for, to be a U.S. citizen? And I said, I'm not giving up being a Jamaican. I will always be a Jamaican. That's who I am. That's yeah. where I was born. And um, I, I'm pretty sure people listening can tell that I'm from Jamaica based on my accent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not giving it up. It's just getting that privilege. It's, it, it's a privilege to be able to to become a U.S. citizen, and it's something that I I hold dearly because it's not it's not easy, and it, the road to getting there for me was not easy. So I I I'm, I cherish it. I admire like other citizens, and I just feel like it's something that I needed to do. I feel like I've done enough to become a U.S. citizen here, and um, I'm a Jamaican at heart. I was born yeah. there. My parents are Jamaican. I go back there. Last year, I had the opportunity to go back there four times. I went to Jamaica four times last year. So um, I'll always be Jamaican at heart. Yeah. And I take my kids there every time I'm going. Um, I take my kids to the community that I'm from. So I don't go to Jamaica and go to a tourist area and stay at a resort. And I, I, although I told my son I'll do that one time so he actually get that experience but I sure. take them back to where I'm from and I show my my son the house that I lived in when yeah. I was a kid the river that I would go to um I actually have a video that we did we went there in July of this year mm -hmm. a couple months ago and I took him to the river and he loved it he was like I would come here to bathe every day and that's how we felt as kids it was like something that it was fun you know yeah. and um, you know, so I, I have them go back there every year just to keep up with the culture, see where I'm from, see how I grew up. And I also want him to know that the things that he has now, I didn't have it. And it's luxury, mm -hmm. kind of how I want him to look at it. You were blessed to have these things. There's, there are children in Jamaica who do not have a cell phone for sure, a laptop for sure. They probably don't even have a TV. There are people who do not have a TV in their home in the community that I'm mm -hmm. from right now, like in 2020. Mm -hmm. there's, still, there's no running water. It's, the, it's still the river. So they have to go to the river to bathe. They, there are times when electricity would go out 
I remember that happened once when we were there. My son was like, can you turn on the TV? And I'm like, there's no, in Jamaica, we'll be like, there's no light. And he's like, what do you mean there's no light? And I'm like, the power went out. He's like, is it going to come back right now? I'm like, probably not. It's probably going to go two, three days before it comes back. So, um, you know, I kind of bring him there and I love doing it just for him mm -hmm. to realize how blessed he is to have the mm -hmm. thing that he has now. Because mm -hmm. again, there are children on the other side who doesn't have what he has. Does he realize what you went through to, to be where you are? Does he connect the dots between where you came from and where you are now? Does he know that was all you, that was all hard work? Yes, he does. And um, he's 10, just a little parent or a mom bragging. He's 10 and he's really, really smart. He's <laughs> in the enrichment program here in Niagara Falls School District. And he understands everything. And I'll sit and I'll have conversation with him and you would think it's two grown-ups like talking. So I explain wow. everything to him. And he, he loved um, participating in the event that we have there every year. He gets his own Future Bright Foundation shirt. I make him his own shirt. He'll be a part of it. He'll be the one to hand out the scholarship or he'll help hand out the backpacks and I have him involved. And I said to him one day, if mommy should pass away, if mommy should pass away, would you continue doing this? And he's like, of course I would. So I know for sure that I have someone who's gonna continue this tradition. So he's really, he's really smart and he understands everything. Yeah, wow, that's great. And I know your daughter's too young to, to yeah, understand all this now, but <laughs> um, how, what a, a wonderful mother and role model she will have to look up to in you. That's, that's great. I, I'm excited for you to be able to share your story with her. That'll be another proud mommy moment. Yeah. Um, so, so you're doing a lot of things. I know you said your husband tries to keep you in check with all the things you're doing. So how, I mean, where do you find balance? Where does it come from? Do you feel overwhelmed or do you, you know, how do you do it all? Um, I would say with a strong support system. So Again, my mom is here with me now, thank God. She came to the U.S. Yay. Yeah, but she came to the U.S. And she's here with me. She lives here in Niagara Falls, literally eight houses down from me. So that support system, my mom, is my biggest, it's like the, the best help to do all the things that I do. So there will be times when I have a lot to do. Mondays are usually my busiest day. And I would just take the kids to her and be like, can you just watch them for two or three hours and I'll come back home and I'll do everything that I have to do. Then I go back and pick them up. So having a strong support system, my mom and my husband, um, my husband works from home one day of the week when he works from home, he'll get his work done first. And then he, um, I'll say, okay, I need to go get this done. And he's like, okay, I'll take care of the house. Meaning he'll watch the kids. He'll do whatever he has to do with the kids, the house. And I just focus on work. I remember um, probably six months after having my daughter, um, I was so overwhelmed and I was frustrated and I, I was just like losing it, to be honest. I was like, I'm so tired. And he could feel that frustration. And I remember he came home one day and he's like, hey, I book a hotel room for you. Um, just go to the hotel this evening. I'll take care of the kids. Don't worry about it. Go there. Um, I have one of my cousins here is one of my best friends here. He's like, you could call her have a couple of drinks, stay there, come back tomorrow, you know, just relax. Don't do any work. He's like, don't take your laptop because <laughs> I'll take my laptop. With uh, me. Yeah. Like, don't take your laptop. Just go there, relax. And, but the thing about that though, I did bring my son. <laughs> 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 he 
he was not pleased with it. But at the time, he was like eight. And he'll understand. So he's like, mommy, do they have a pool? And I was like, yeah. So I brought him there. He was in the pool. I was sitting on the chair, you know, relaxing. Then we went back to the room. He's playing his game. But it was just not having my, or not having the opportunity to work because I didn't have my laptop. And I was just like free for the evening. Um, I didn't have the young baby with me. Yeah. And so it's just having that. I could not have done it without my mom and my husband. Like they're my biggest support it's the biggest support that I could have asked for. Uh, and I'm sure they know that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so could you um, share with us just uh, one or two little magical pieces of advice that you have for uh, a woman who wants to start a business? Um, you've obviously done it and you did it under extreme challenges. So a um, couple, couple of little pearls you could give some women entrepreneurs or people thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. So my first advice is just do it. Like literally just do it. The thing about it is that I don't know if it's all women, but that's me. We're always like wait, waiting for the perfect time. There's never going to be a perfect time. There's always going to be something that you can say, this is going to stop me from doing it. This is going to stop me from doing it. So you just have to do it. There will never be a perfect time. If you wait on the perfect time, you'll be waiting forever, to be honest. So you just have to do it. Then there's this other thing that I have been using for the past year or so, where it says done is better than perfect. So if you're thinking about doing something, just do it. I know a lot of us are perfectionists and we want it to be perfect. And then it's so funny. I saw this post yesterday on Facebook where someone says you have to bake the cake before you put on the sprinkles. And that resonates with me so much because we all want everything to be pretty. We're starting a business. We want the best website. We want our website to be awesome, which is, it's fine. But if you don't have a cake, where are you going to put the sprinkles? Right. So get yeah. your business, get your business started, do it, do, do the, the minimum that you have to do to get it started. Then you start putting on your sprinkles. Then you start getting your rainbow colors or whatever colors you want yeah. your sprinkles to be. And, you know, so first thing, just get started. And like I said, if with anything, it doesn't really mean your business, but with anything, get started and then, it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to have everything you want, but you just have to start. So that's the first one. Just, just start. Everything that's will fall great. into place. Believe me, everything will fall into place. So just get started. Done is better than perfect. Don't try to be, don't try to get everything perfect before you launch something. You mm -hmm. know, um, I'm working on a course now for small businesses and I want to use the best technology. I'm saying to my husband, I need a webcam that is this quality and, I need a mic and I need this and I need that. And I'm like, if I wait to get everything that I need, I would never launch this course. So I'm learning again, this other thing, taking messy actions. So it's just doing things with things not being in place or not with everything not being in place. It's called, I've learned this um, somewhere too, messy actions. So I've been taking messy actions lately. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so many things that I can tell you to do, take messy actions, Done is, um, done is better than perfect. Just start and bake your cake before you start adding sprinkles. Oh my gosh. Those are great pieces of advice. Yes. 
I found the baker cake before adding sprinkles yesterday and I was like, I'm going to start using this. I love it. I love it. <laughs> because yeah. in, in reality, you do have to have a cake before you can start adding sprinkles, right? You do. And I think, you know, we're so worried about perception. You know, mm -hmm. we're so worried about how we're going to come off, how we're going to be perceived, how we're going to look. Like you said, the website or, you know, I have like a professional reputation. So everything that I put out, I feel like it has to reflect that, you know, um, here in, in my community. So I'm, it does hold me back. You know, it does keep me from doing things and it's just, it's just wasted time. And, and it, it you is. can, you sit there and you go, Oh my gosh, six months ago, I was in the same spot. I yeah. was I was having these same fears and nothing's changed. I've done nothing in the last <laughs> six months, you know, so it's just a, a chunk of wasted time. So those are really, really wonderful pieces of advice. Um, I always like to close my interviews by asking my guests, what are you most proud of? Oh my gosh. All your accomplishments. It's going to be so hard to pick one. I know. I really don't think, I can't pick one. Um, I have a few and mm. I know for sure, I don't think they're in any specific order where one is my most. Mm. Um, number one, or not number one as, as in the most <laughs> most important. That's one. Um, the level of education I was able to achieve. So having my master's degree, having my CPA um, license, which was a struggle to achieve because I was working two jobs, um, taking care of my family and studying for the CPA exam. Anyone who did um, done the CPA exam know how, how it, it's one of the hardest exams I've ever done in my life. So the level of education, um, master's, CPA, and my CFE. Um, my other pro moment is my family. The family I was able to create, you know, having my husband and my two kids, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. I could not be any more happy with life you know, and um, what's my other, my other proud moment would be being a business owner in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. Business in the U.S., that's another proud one. And becoming a U.S. citizen. I could go on and on and yeah. on. I have so many proud moments. Oh, well, I hope that you just relish and enjoy you know, looking at all of those things because nothing was handed to you, Shiki, nothing. <laughs> you worked for everything that you have and you've done such a, a beautiful job in inspiring people and giving back and the fact that you created your foundation. You're also an educator, which we didn't, we barely touched on. Um, yeah. You're really just doing so much to contribute to uh, your community and your community back home. And um, I just, I'm so excited that, that you were able to, to do this with me today. Uh, and I hope you're proud of this too. <laughs> so um, where can, I'm, I'm going to post all the links on the sites, but if somebody's listening, um, first of all, where can they find your business? Shikisharp.com. Okay, and Shiki is S H I E K E S H A R P E dot com. And then do they find the foundation on your on shikisharp.com? No, that would be futurebrightfoundation.org. Okay, futurebrightfoundation.org. And that's all one word, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Wonderful. I will make sure that our listeners have that information. And uh, thank you so much. This was a fun interview. I hope I hope it was it was good for you. I know you were nervous, and uh, it was it was easy, right? No, it wasn't. But (laughs) (laughs) well, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.